Hi. Welcome to episode number 149 of the Applelog Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Head. This podcast is brought to you in part by Bose All Natural Brewery. Check out their Lug Tread beer. It is delicious. I just ran out, by the way. I need some more coming in. There's some more coming in, I hope. It's crisp, balanced, and refreshing. Lug Tread is a lagered ale. It's a term they coined. It's fermented like an ale and cold-aged like a lager. It's been Bose's flagship brand since they opened in 2006. As of 2017, it's now available in 355 milliliter cans for the first time. It's won more than 20 awards, and I got 48 of those suckers dropped off last month, and they were awesome. We went on holiday. I didn't drink them all by myself, okay? Don't judge me. Also, check out their full-time IPA. It's hoppy, fruity, and bold. It's their newest full-time brand, which is how it got the name. Tasting notes for a full-time IPA. It pours hazy deep and gold with a dense white foam. It has aromas of citrus, tropical fruit, and pine. A balanced bitterness that underpins the flavor. This medium-bodied ale finishes dry with a linger hop and fruit notes. I heard that IPA gives you man boobs. That's what I heard. That's not a good sell, but that's what I heard. I read that somewhere on Facebook. Pick up bows anywhere beer is sold nationwide. Also, don't forget that they are doing an Oktoberfest festival in their hometown. And it is, you can buy tickets by going to bows.ca. Okay? Hey, Amazon shoppers. If you like shopping on Amazon, you like supporting the show, okay, go, go to applelot.ca slash Amazon. Or if you're from the United States... I almost said United Mistakes. The United Mistakes of America. Go to applelog.ca slash US Amazon. You can then bookmark those links. And when you go to those links, you will be redirected to Amazon where you can shop with fun stuff, buy stuff. And every time you shop on Amazon, you are supporting the show because it's a click-through program. It's an affiliate program. If you want to do it the old-fashioned way, go to applelog.ca and click on the banners located on the right side. Locate your country, United States, Canada, or the UK, and do the same thing. It costs you no extra money, Amazon. Hey, if you want to help the show out on a monthly basis, you can go to patreon.com slash You can pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees. Cancel at any time. Go to applelog.ca slash shop to buy a t-shirt. That's not two slashes. I messed my words up. Applelog.ca slash shop. Buy a t-shirt. Pick up four square discography for $20. If you like the show, go to iTunes and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review it. Give it five stars, please. You can like the show on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Pod. Keep up on the news there, too. That's where I keep most of the news feed and what's happening with the show. And you can follow me on Twitter at SimonHead6666. SimonHead666. I do that every time. Today on the show, I have Dr. Oren Amate. Dr. Oren Amate is a clinical psychologist. He's a he's a actual professional parenting consultant. So if you go to court and you need to have someone come fight for you, you can you can have Dr. Oren Amate. He'll come and talk. He's also an activist. He's a he's just a smart guy, and that's where we were trying to figure out what we're going to do together. Maybe we're going to do a podcast together one day, one day, not tomorrow, not next week. We we'll call it dumb guy, smart guy, and one of us gets to be the dumb guy. That's me. Everybody, here he is, Doctor Oren Amate, for the second time on the Apple Life Podcast.
You were on the show over a year ago now, April. April would be about right, yeah. Yeah. I always thought it was kind of neat talking to someone who's smarter and knows more (laughs) about the world than myself when it comes to how the world works, how people work, how people speak, how people interact. And it's always a fascinating conversation. You know, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's um, been a long, hard eight months or nine months now, going on nine months about what's happened with our brothers to the South. We are, people are trying to figure out how all this happened, why it happened. Also with what politics or how politics ramped up and it's a big open-ended conversation, but I figured I'd like to speak to you about this because you have a professional view on how people work. And uh, basically what, you know, Charlottesville was, was a tragic thing where the leader of the nation is talking about how both sides were evil when it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And look, I mean, people have to realize, and if they don't know by now, you know, they they aren't paying attention that no matter what he says, no matter how reprehensible, inconsistent, untrue, anything he says is the people who are supporting him will not back down because this is the, with the famous phenomenon of cognitive dissonance reduction, which is basically, um, we don't want to have thoughts in our mind that don't match. Okay. So most people, at least this is North American or Western, uh, concept that we want to believe that we are smart and good. So when we do things that are stupid or not so good, most people don't have the, you know, psychological, uh, wherewithal to acknowledge that, Hey, you know, I did something stupid or I did something bad and it doesn't make me a stupid or bad person. It's just, that's what I did, right? Most people can't handle that. So uh, if they were to admit it, they think I am bad. I am stupid. So instead of admitting what they've done, which in this case would be like electing or supporting Trump, they can't deny it, right? They, they can't deny that they've done it, right? You know, yeah. Unless they're psychotic. So they can't deny that they've done it. So all they can do is reframe reality. So they say, yeah, I voted for him. And here's why. And here's all the great things he's doing. Mm-hmm. And, and this applies to anything, whether it's politics or any other decision that people make in their lives, instead of acknowledging what they've done, they would rather, uh, you know, consciously or unconsciously reframe it so that it makes them feel not so bad or stupid. Okay, and they don't have to deal with the discomfort. Yeah. And a lot of people from the, the extreme left, a lot of people are pulling back, in my opinion, saying, you see, you see what you got? And I told you so. And that isn't also, that isn't a way of solving a problem. That's the alt left going, there you go. You voted for him. You got him. Right. And they're taking glee in this. You know, Uh, even Bill Maher was saying, I hope he bankrupts the country, Um, you know, or crash the stock market, I believe it was. Um, Now, I can understand this context. He's saying because that might be the one thing that shakes people out of their ignorance and finally vote him out. Um, But still, a lot of people are taking glee in it. And the fact is not one of them, not one that I've heard of or spoken to has acknowledged that, hey, I on the alt left or far left or extreme left. I helped vote for Trump or I helped get him in because so many people, and this is what people are having, you know, it, it, poll after poll has shown this. I mean, I followed it, that not everybody who voted for him was some sexist, misogynistic, racist, homophobic, transphobic, you know, IQ, single digit IQ idiot. Okay. A lot of people did it as a resistance to what the alt left or far left have, have been, you know, promoting for a number of years. It was a resistance or rebellion vote. Mm-hmm. And that's what the people on the left have to accept. They they basically caused Trump. They you know they they let him get in. You know. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, it also goes down to having America being two-party system where you got to vote for one or the other. Yeah, there's no, there's no yeah, choice. There's no like sort of like even though we have the Green Party and we have other parties that right. run, at least you have a choice and you have a you don't need to you know it's almost like destroying your vote when you when you do vote for one of those other parties, but it still it right. seems more fair, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, and look, hey, we have three parties at least, you know, um, and NDP sometimes does something some uh, in some provinces. Uh, and almost federally. So, you know, they, you know, they, they, it's it's more choice and more choice is better if it's a limited more choice. If there's 100 choices, you know, then everyone's going to get a tiny slice of the pie. If there's maybe three or four choices, real choices, you know, then you have a better democracy. And quite frankly, look, I mean, we have to also admit that uh, Clinton was one of the worst candidates ever. Okay, mm -hmm. she was you know, she, she represented all that was bad about politics. She's a career politician. Even if she wasn't in politics all her life, she embodied what, you know, everyone, what everyone despised about politicians. Yeah. <clears throat> it's kind of what got Bush in the second time was, uh, it was against John Kerry or something. Um, John Kerry was just a dud, you know what I mean? And, and then Bush gets, I think he got a second term out of John because John Kerry wasn't a strong enough Democrat to, to fight the race. And that's sort of, I mean, that's human nature. That's a thing where people will react completely against something because it's it's easier to go completely to the opposite side and is try and find that gray line, that gray area in the middle that is what reality is, right? Right. Yeah, and people, you know what? Um, we, people have lost the art of gray um, or nuance, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and people have a hard time reconciling that a little bit of this, a little bit of that can be true. Okay. They, they've gone to such extremes. It's all, they're all in, it's all a or all B mm -hmm. and this type of black or white thinking, it's what we call a cognitive distortion. It's all or nothing. And, and it seems like all of society or so much of society, unfortunately is, is displaying this really bad thinking. That's where, again, the art of nuance is lost. Yeah. Now, what do you attribute that to? Do you attribute that like over the past 10 years, have we always been like this as a human race or is this a newer um phenomenon i call it it's it's a newer phenomenon it's um there's a few things that that, that uh, i think have contributed to that first of all it's sorry it's, it's always been there but the number of people who have engaged in it the types of people who engage in this uh has increased dramatically so in the old days um you know let's say again it was a cognitive distortion so uh you know so only certain types of people would would do that um and a lot of times it's it's fear it's inability to deal with complexity um it's it's just it's a certain way of thinking. It, it's an unhealthy, maladaptive way of thinking where where people just didn't, I guess, it, it, developmentally, never had the opportunity or, or weren't modeled. It wasn't modeled for them how to you know step back, get the proper perspective, and see things for how they really are versus it's all this or all that. And more and more people are doing that because and there's a few things. One, I, I hate to say this, it sounds simplistic, but parents have really failed. In the last generation or two, parents are not taking the time to have the the, the proper discussions with their children, um, to you know, to to help them filter all this information that's coming in. It was hard enough when people parents were trying to filter TV, you know, two channels. Let's say yeah. now it's is there's just so much, and it's it's information overload. So as human beings, this is something that, that's inherent humans. We need, and I always say this in my classes, the number one goal of human function is to, to learn to master or control our environment, okay? Yeah. Everything's about learning to control it. Um, so when you have this much information coming in, whether it's a little or a lot, 
uh, we, 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 our brains, we have these, um, these shortcuts that we take, these heuristics where we just kind of simplify things. This is why people want to categorize you as this person or that person or group, belong to group A or B, in group, out group. Like it's all a way to handle all this information. And we've never had so much information as we've had today, right? So far more people find themselves having to simplify things. Um, it, you know, and, and again, they haven't learned from their parents or, or the education system to be able to truly tolerate the discomfort that comes with information overload, sift through it, right? Look at all sides of an argument, recognize that it doesn't have to all be correct, okay? Whether it's an argument or whether it's a position. Like, for example, I um, am quote-unquote left on many issues, and I'm quote-unquote right on a few issues. Um, and I would never say because I belong to the left that everything that the left says is right, or pardon, or it's correct, let's say, okay, yeah. that I agree with, right? Right. And people, again, that's because I don't get overwhelmed. I'm able to say that I believe in A, B, and C, but I also believe in X, Y, Z. Yeah. And, and, you know, that causes people a lot of discomfort because then they feel like I'm not part of this group. You know, that, that's another thing that we're as social animals, I'm going to throw a bunch of stuff at you, but it's good, man. Animals, it's all great. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So this is also inherent to human beings. As social animals, we need to belong to a group. Okay. And, and that's fine. We can belong. It's very tribal. You can belong to a group, but you should never let that group identify you or let your identity be subsumed by your belongingness to that group. Okay. And, and too many people are doing that. So they're afraid to say, well, you know what? I belong to group A, but I, I can see that group B and C have some good ideas as well. People are afraid to do that because once they start saying that, suddenly they're cast out of group A. And they're labeled, you are this and that. And we've seen this. Anyone who's a centrist or a moderate who, who tries to see both sides, they're called, you know, a Nazi, a fascist, yeah. a woman hater, this and that. And yeah. that's what happens. So when people see this happen enough times, they learn, whoops, I'm not going to get my head chopped off as well. So they just follow, follow suit. Yeah. And it's such a tumultuous time when it comes to shaming and things, a point of view. A point of view is a point of view. Um, it's up to me or you to determine whether or not, or society to determine that's a good or a bad idea. But there's also a way, like we used to talk about Nazism back in the in the 30s and 40s, is that it took a very long time to get people turned around where, first of all, they didn't understand that there was these things called concentration camps. And there was a thing, you know, it took, a, there was a few choice people that kind of knew it, but most of society at that time was like appalled by this. Even people who living maybe 20 minutes away from these places, but it slowly but surely got ingrained in society where all of a sudden they were burning and killing millions of people. And that only took 10 years to get to the point where it had to stop. We are moving at such a long pace now. First, when Trump was in, he hated brown people. He hated people from the Middle East. And now it turns out, I guess he doesn't like black people either, you know, and it's just these little steps and these little bites where people start buying into it. And it's a power suggestion, right? And we all, we all have a little of it, but it seems like the, the leader of America has a much stronger grasp, you know, like he resonates, you know. Right. Well, he's giving, look, we all have another part of the human condition is we all have the shadow or the dark side of us. Everyone has it. And it's healthy to be, acknowledge it and to be able to tap into it, um, you know, and to recognize it. So that's like, let's say someone cuts you off. If you have a momentary flash of, I want to, you know, beat this guy up. Okay. Yeah. If you have that flash. That's okay to allow that thought to go through your mind. 
you just can't get overwhelmed by it and you shouldn't act on it. Yeah, right? Absolutely. The people who don't allow themselves to even acknowledge that they have the dark side or the shadow, they live a life of repression that's pent up and, and you know, it's not a healthy way of being either. So, you know, again, it goes, it's, it's moderation. It's, it's acknowledging you have it. It doesn't make you a bad person to have these thoughts. Okay. But to act on it is, is, is bad. And so Trump basically gave permission to, to, you know, to the whole nation to say, you know what, I am going to now, you know, not only tap into, but in many cases, act on, right, these really bad feelings or thoughts that I might have. And, and people, again, this goes back to, I'm not sure, you know, whether it's just information overload or, or bad parenting. Um, but but instead of saying, okay, you know, what, I'll acknowledge that maybe I have a bit of implicit racism, or I have a little bit of that, or, you know, like, instead of just, just acknowledging that, some too many people, and it's only, it's, it's too many, but it's not, uh, you know, it's not like 90% or anything like that, but too many people are, are acting out far too much and they're taking it to a far degree. So instead of saying, you know what, I have some maybe biases towards certain people, right? They're just getting overwhelmed by it and going, all black people are this or brown people are that or all illegal immigrants, you know, it's, it's because it, again, they're, they're the, the tap has been loosened. Okay. It's gushing out. And, and the people aren't well equipped to deal with this. Um, Trump just came in like a tornado and people weren't sure how to handle him. And again, the, the big thing is he gave permission and it, but it was permission. It's like giving permission. It's like, it's like bringing a bunch of handguns to school and saying, okay, kids have at it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Th that's kind of what it's like. Yeah. And the fact that he can get a whole army of people on his side is that's kind of what, the big mean German guy did, or Austrian, I guess, uh, you know, he, he managed to sort of tap into a group of people and, and, and make them his little army, you know, of, you know, as well as, you know, dictatorship and all that stuff. But I mean, what you were saying about information overload is our brains, you're right. Our brains are not capable of getting all the information and, and weighing it all up based on what the internet is. And I think a lot of it is sort of like, is this real? Is this happening? You know, all this big rage now with fake, like, s satire right. stories about, um, what was the one I read today where uh, the Rage Against the Machine was actually, the name they got it was from a fax machine, and they wrote this whole article based on how Rage Against the Machine was actually based on Raging Against the Fax Machine. I know it was hilarious, <laughs> but at the same time, our, my mind can get the satire in that, but I'll bet you Dollars to Jones that 50% of people wrote that, read that, went, that's where they got the name from. So hence, right. this myth is perpetuated, and you know, and so, they afford it. They oh afford yeah, it. absolutely. Right. And the, you know, when when someone gets a news story, we have all the resources in the world to go and look and get the most you know basic version of the story. And I think there's there's streaming services like Periscope, Facebook Live. These things are actually that's the real news. When you watch something happen on Facebook Live. That's actually happening. Nobody's making that shit up, you know. Right. But it's what the stories are told after that that guide the agenda to whatever you want to do or whoever you want to make the bad guy or the good guy out of all this. That's where things get sketchy and dangerous because anybody can write anything and anybody can make the news up. And that is, you know, I hate to quote Trump, but there is a lot of fake news out there, you know. 
For sure. And and there's like a lack of context. Um, so one snippet, one 10 second, you know, soundbite or a scene might look terrible. But if you don't know, every, and I've seen a number of these cases, if you don't know everything that preceded it, or what happened afterwards, you know, you're only getting a part of the story. And if you already have a bias toward one direction, you're going to go along and say, yep, that just supports that's the that's the confirmation bias. I mean, there's a whole bunch of psychological phenomena that in the last couple of years, I'm hearing more and more people repeat, because that's kind of like, it, it, it's permeated the the narrative mm-hmm. uh, and confirmation bias is one of them. And and again, when you have so much information coming in, the natural thing for someone to do is to look for stuff that supports what you already believe versus what I always tell people, you want to be a critical thinker, type in whatever you're looking for and then type in hoax or debunked or contrary evidence or something like that to see the other side of the story because you'll always find information to support what you believe. Yeah, Absolutely. And there's so much of it out there. And at the same time, like you say, you can just go out and find the truth. It's out there. And unfortunately, the internet is built in a way where eh, maybe sometimes it'll be a little harder to find, you know, based on whatever the social agenda is for whatever website you're looking on. And, you know, so we, you know, we always have to be very wary and our brains aren't capable of understanding, like, I think we were taught, it's a joke, but your neck's going to be, in 100 years from now, everybody's necks are going to be tweaked because they're going to be too busy looking at their mobile device. But I believe it could be a little true, truth in there somewhere. Um, and, you know, I just, you know, the, the fact that I'm, that I'm speaking to you about this, there's a lot that everybody can learn about how the human mind works, you know, and, uh, you know, you, you're, you're laying it down because, and a lot of it is, we as a human, like, as a human race, our brain can kind of cope with stuff like that, and we can see things like that. But could you imagine 400 years ago when someone had this thing we're looking at, where it's like a window into a different universe? We'd all be burnt at stakes. We'd all be dead. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's amazing. And I keep telling people, like, look, the technology is it's, it's advancing at such an exponential rate, uh, which is amazing. But our brains can't keep up. You know, evolution... For, for you know hundreds of thousands or sorry literally millions of years but hundreds of thousands of uh, years in our iteration as humans right it's been working a certain way and now is it's just reached some pace that we don't know we truly don't know what it's going to do to us mm-hmm. um and you know children who like this this generation now they, they're going like uh, i the i gen you know as opposed to gen x now yeah, it's yeah. i gen right <laughs> um and you know what what is it doing to somebody who from a very young age, their a lot of their experience is 2D. It's a tablet, it's a piece of glass. Like, you know, and, and we're and they're showing there's this great video, I don't know if you've seen it, where it's these monkeys using iPads. Wow. They're sitting there. Yeah, little monkeys, and they're flipping, and it's like these kids, and they're flipping it through just like a human being. And they flip, 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 flip. Okay. So that's that's pretty scary. And and you know, so we're raising a bunch of, you know, chimps, uh, human chimps on these iPads or other devices. And I know people have talked about this. I've talked about this a lot as well, but we, our, our health, our health as humans depends in large part on our interpersonal connections, right? We are social animals. We know this. If anyone wants to dis, uh, disagree, I'll tell you what, sit in a room by yourself for five days. All right. No communication with humans. And you tell me how you're doing after that. You can't, you know, that it, uh, you know, that's why they say um, uh, isolation uh, in prison. What's it yeah, called? Um, solitary confinement. Solitary confinement. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, that's why there's these cases going on in Canada right now where they're being, you know, the, the, the jails are being sued for keeping someone for far too long. That is the worst type of torture. It can make you lose your sanity. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that we're being completely isolated, but if so much of our interactions are through these devices, it's not face-to-face, -face, we're not getting that eye-to-eye -eye contact. I mean, you and I right now, we're looking through screens, we can see each other, and that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, um, not as good as face-to-face -face because we're not getting the full oxytocin yeah. uh, surge that we should get, all right? But it's a, it's a pretty good um, uh, analog of that. But without that, you know, um, it's just this text communication and so on. We're really, we're depriving ourselves of what it means to be human. Okay, and every single culture across the globe, all of them have this idea of, of being, you know, uh, interrelated with other people. Now, there's one sect of Buddhism that says the ultimate um, achievement is to be completely isolated, okay, like, you know, or independent and not to need anybody. And, you know, I, I don't know what percentage of people uh, can achieve that and can achieve, and achieve it healthily. So notwithstanding that little anomaly, you know, everyone mm -hmm. else truly we need that social connection and and it's about um uh and the thing is it starts from from birth right like you know our brains are wired we know this for a fact babies um uh will look at uh not even a, a face like if, if you draw a circle with uh, three lines and the three lines are horizontal in the place where the eyes and the mouth are babies will look at that so it's just like three you know it's like a, a happy face almost okay but mm -hmm. just a very simple three horizontal lines where eyes and mouth go babies will look at that far longer than they'll look at other configurations or other angles of those lines mm -hmm. showing that there's parts of the brain that are designed to pick up on these facial cues. So the thing is, and this is what people really have to understand when parents, and I've watched this and, and you know, um, if you go to any schoolyard, go to any park, you're, uh, go to any hockey arena or swimming pool, you'll see the same thing. Little children looking up at their parents and what are the parents doing? They're looking the at their damn phone. Yeah. Okay. And kids are, are lacking in that connection. So forget about kid to kid or, you know, or teen or adult to adult. The parent to child connection is being, you know, it, it's being reduced. And that's causing a lot of people to, to have less of empathy for other people. I mean, that, that's the building blocks of empathy right. is that, that parent child connection. Okay. Yeah. So we're, you know, this is part of why society is going down the shitter. So yeah. to speak. <laughs> I, okay? uh, I've been really working hard at trying to teach my children what empathy is and and i agree with you 100 percent. there's certain amount of uh i've seen children playing in the park who absolutely you can tell just by a distance that this person doesn't understand that concept of when i do this this happens or if i do this it's going to affect that person and the world around me and um we've talked about i talked about this with you before the last time we were on the show is but when we're on a we're at a restaurant i always make sure my children look at the person that's serving us food and say eye contact is the most important thing with conversation between people or this person is bringing food to your table have a little you know you know and of course now they're like looking up and saying pleases and thank yous and things like that and we have a long way to go but i really believe i even have my son went out for and got home really late and we didn't know where he was and we were very worried he's 14 and i understood i asked him i said do you know what the con you know what the um the meaning of empathy is and he goes no i said <laughs> i said well you should go google it and figure it out but i'll tell you what it is you know it's, it's putting yourself in someone else's shoes and had you been had we been away and going away for three or four days and not tell you where you were we were going because that's the same feeling for us like you know if we were gone for three days you'd be starting to wonder where the hell's mom and dad um but for us it's three hours you know what i mean and and right trying to, to teach 
our son about what empathy means and the world at large is is you're right that that empathy is is missing and i don't know how we're going to get it back yeah i don't know either again that's where parents and i hate to sound simplistic but um look you know it's it's something that makes us human it's, it's we're raised by our parents and um, you know, our socialization comes strongly from our parents at the beginning <laughs> afterwards as peers but how you interact with the peers depends a large part on how you were raised as a, as a child. If your parents were attentive to your needs, if they were there for you, if they modeled how to you know regulate your emotions, you're going to do much better with your peers because you've got a really strong skill set. Mm -hmm. But if the parents were, were not like that with you, you're going to have a harder time with your peers. And so you might act, you know, and, and ugh, this is a whole other issue about nature versus nurture as far as, you know, the, the develop, development of children and who we become as adults. But having worked with I literally lost count of thousands of people, um, whether it's 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 treating them, whether it's assessing them, okay, assessing families. You know, I would say someone in my position would have to be a fool to neglect the influence of not just the parents, but the whole family union, a unit, sorry, yeah. on how a person develops. And so I, I know what's it going to be? I, I don't know. More education at school saying, you know, having parents come in and say, look, you got to learn these things. Don't just give the kids to us for seven or eight hours. And now with all day daycare, like, you know, hey, parents have another free year that they don't have to raise their kids. Yeah. It's not, a you know, I, I don't know where it's going to, you know, what, what's going to take. Um, and it's funny when you talk about being in the restaurant. Just last weekend, I was with my daughter and um, we were at a McDonald's. Uh, my youngest one, eight-year-old, and she went to get some ketchup or something. And she was taking a bit of time. So I went to go see her. And something had happened with the the dispenser, okay? And there was an elderly gentleman. And, uh, you know, I was I saw him helping her and everything. And so I said, you know, I asked my daughter to come with me after. And he said to me, he said, he said, Dad, thank you. Oh. I said, what? He said, your daughter. He said she was so polite with her pleas and thank yous and everything like that. He just and just saw the joy in his eyes. So I was like, hey, I'm a proud daddy, except the fact that's, that that seemed like such an anomaly to him was disheartening. You know, that he had to yeah. thank me for having a good kid. Yeah. So. In, the, in his age, too, when maybe 40 years ago, children were had to be quiet. You know, <laughs> you know, they, I, you know, like, I, I'm at the very end of that. I, I think how, we're about the same age, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm at the end of where kids had a point of view, but just, I think a couple, like maybe even years before me, kids just need to shut the hell up. Shut up kids. You know? <laughs> so I, I'm just on that, you know, the mid seventies where children had points of view and, and you know, it's healthy, you know, it's good that children have points of view, but it also needs to be guided nicely with the parent to understand that, Listen, don't get too big for your britches. You're only six, you know, <laughs> you're not an adult yet. And why don't you just try to be a kid longer? And today's technology driven era is children are learning way too much too fast and it's not right. getting processed properly. And then all of a sudden they have like my 14 year old has. It's funny when he tells you stories because it's like it's almost there like the news stories he says that he reads. It's almost there. It's almost accurate. But there's always so one little thing that's like just off a little bit just to say, uh, I don't think that's right. You know, like even if it's like adding a couple of zeros, like it was $4 trillion of something. I'm like, that's an awful lot of money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, did you get that right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, it's, um, that's where the parent comes in, helps guide them, not to make them feel shamed or whatever, but just, mm -hmm. you know, help them kind of just, you know, check your facts or whatever else. Mm -hmm. Um, it's that interaction and, mm -hmm. and kids aren't getting it. And, you know, like I don't think they're getting it enough, and um, yeah, it's just I hate to, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I, I think it really. I, I hope I hope parents will at some point, you know, hear someone out, like whether it's me or someone else, and just say, look, spend more time with your kids. Uh, signing them up for ten different sports 
is not being a good parent. Okay, mm -hmm. cultivate an interest, get them healthy, this and that. But actually, and and the the sad thing is that parents are overcompensating and you know and throwing them into all these different activities. They're competing with other parents because you know they want to keep up with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, this is helping contribute to a bunch of anxiety in these kids. Mm -hmm. Right? They're you know they're, they're feeling overwhelmed, and the parents. You know, because they they're parenting by guilt because they're not around enough or they're not present enough, right? You know, instead of helping the child learn to fail, I mean that's that's one of the best things that you can do with your kid. You know, help the child learn to fail gracefully, okay? Because if you fail gracefully, it's not even failing; it's a stumble, it's a learning experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm seeing this way. You know, I see this as an instructor, I see it as a professor, uh, sorry, as 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 a, as a psychologist. Um, you know, where where parents are swooping in. They're rescuing their kids rather than kind of letting them set out on their own, let them stumble, come in and help reorient them, you know, and help kind of reguide them, help them build the resilience. But parents don't do that. They just swoop right in, try to take care of the problem. And the children are not learning, you know, how to become resilient and they're not learning accountability. You know, they're not learning, hey, I screwed up or I did this wrong or something like that. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, I think I may, we may have had this discussion before because you and I talked, you know, but. I was on your podcast, you're on my podcast. Yeah, yeah. So I may have said it, but I'm going to say it again. Okay. It's my <laughs> biggest thing. All right. Whenever this is how you can tell whether a parent is bad or not, simple litmus test. Okay. At least in our society. Mm -hmm. um, if a kid doesn't say please, thank you, or sorry. All right. That's that doesn't mean the kids, that doesn't mean the parents are bad necessarily because the kid might be caught up in their whatever. You know, they're kind of, they might be excited or, or scared or whatever else. But if a parent sees them failing to say please, thank you, or sorry, and the parent doesn't say anything, you know they're a horrible parent. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's, it's my litmus test. Okay. Yeah. And that kid yeah. is going to not be a good citizen. It's just so. normal everyday. I mean, I just see it as a normal everyday thing, and and I think I I've worked very hard at having my children say please and thank you because that's the building blocks of what you're saying, empathy. It's the building blocks of yeah. uh, of of just entering society. You know. And our, our yeah. son's 14, and this is this is the last year that he's going to be, you know, job free. You know, it's like next year, 15, go to work at McDonald's, yeah, right. you know, and although learn, learn about a little thing about, about discipline, you know, and this is his last summer of, 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 of free ride. <laughs> it's funny. Cause you know, I, I laugh at it because I think I was almost out of the house at, a, I think I was eight, 20 years old, 19 or 20. I think I was on my way out. And uh, I jokingly say to Everett, Everett, you know, you only go like six years, you know, and then you're, uh, you're out the door. <laughs> so, uh, and I jokingly say it, but at the same time, you're like, that's kind of how, I don't know. Is it, that's pretty, sounds pretty horrible now that I'm thinking about it, but you know, whatever. <laughs> He's my kid. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, um, I know I was, I left, I was at 19, traveled to Japan. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm a bit, I, I realized that the economic realities today yeah are different than they were before. I mean, I was, I, I paid my own way since I was 10 years old. Like really, I mean, I've had part-time jobs where I was delivering papers at 10, stuff like that. So I'm a big fan of self-reliance and I've done this my whole life. Okay. We don't come from money at all. I earned everything and I was, you know, I had to scrunch up and if I wanted to do something, I had to save, save, save. And then I would, you know, have the money to do it. Um, so I'm a big fan of that, but I also recognize the reality of today that, you know, 20 year olds leaving on their own financially, just, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily make that much sense. Um, you know, but on the other hand, I, I've seen way, way, way too many parents who let their kids have a free ride far too long into their twenties or thirties, you know, and, and I say this, this is one thing, like, um, this is something I've noticed recently, 
Um, and I don't know if your son, uh, once he hits 16, if he's going to do what probably you and I know what I did. The, the first thing I did when I got 16, the very first day, guess what I did? Went and got went your down. drivers. Yep, yeah. got the 365. Okay, yeah. as a you know that whatever they call it today, um, I don't know if it's a G1 or I whatever the permit is. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, first thing, and, and they're, they're showing that uh, stats are showing that kids are doing this much later. Okay, uh, than before. There's not the peer pressure to do it or just the peer desire. But the crazy thing is this, and I I work with a number of families where the parents are chauffeuring their kids everywhere, you know, and their teens. I'm going, take a bus. Oh, but my kid will get lost. Like I was riding the bus or subways and everything when I was seven or eight years old. Mm -hmm. Now you sure it was a different era, but the fact is, teens should be able to do this. So they don't want to get a license. Fine, they got to, you know, and, and they're Ubering and the parents are paying for Uber and stuff like that. It's like. Really? So this is where it goes back to this whole idea. If you don't, this is where kids don't have perspective. If you don't have a job, if you're not paying your own way and you expect someone else to pay for your Uber or to chauffeur you, you know, you're not going to become a good citizen. You know? Yeah. yeah. When I was 13, I had, I think I had my first job at 13, 14. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I've been working too. But at the same time, I did have a general help from my parents. They were there to support me at certain times. Uh, I remember I moved to Winnipeg and I was in this band and I was not making any money and I was starving. And my parents gave me, I forget what it was like, I think it was maybe a hundred bucks a month or something, something to, to, so I could buy food. And it's exactly what I right. did. I bought food with it, you know, and, and it was very helpful, but at, it's very tough as a parent to watch your child fail. It's very tough to, but it also is, you know, the bigger the failure, the harder it is. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and, right. you know, and you know, when I was back to my, my 14 year old, when he was, we had to talk the next day, I said, listen, if, uh, if you get noticed by, we only have six police officers in our whole town. If you get noticed by these police officers about, and you're walking around, you know, cause he also, the other one was he stayed up all night and went out with his friends at like five in the morning to Tim Hortons, his friends stayed over and they just left the house at five, four, four, like 30 in the morning to, at dark, it was still dark to go get Tim Hortons. And I said, if you're if you're noticed by these police officers, it's bad reflection on you because they get to know who you are. And when they know who you are, they're not going to be so fair on you if they see you when you're 18, you have a couple of drinks in you maybe, or, you know, it's going to get worse, you know. Right. And he understood that. You could tell he understood, like, the consequence of what possibly could happen. I want to believe that. I do want to believe that. Right. <laughs> because Right. Well, Yeah. Well, again, the consequence that's so important that people know, need to know that there's a consequence uh, for their actions. And this is the thing. Look, and, and again, I work with so many families and I always tell them, I mean, I oversimplify and I say there are two things that are universal that, you know, or that it's time and money. Now, of course, money's not universal. But the point is, if we all, you know, like I can say, you can agree on this. You can say, you know, that, this much time or that much money. So I say to parents, for example, um, the example I like to live, go, uh, give is like university. Okay. Mm -hmm. All these parents are trying to make sure the kids do university right. And I'm seeing parents do all the filing for them, choosing courses. Like they're just doing everything for their kids, mm -hmm. um, which is not healthy because the kids, you know, they're just, they're, again, they're not learning to be self-efficacious. They're not being on, on their own, right? And I say, look, I say, let the kid do it. And they go, well, what if they miss their deadline or if they don't? I say, you know what? Then they're not going to get the course they want. Then they're going to have to go to, you know, instead of getting a, a 10 o'clock course, they're stuck at 7 a.m. or something like that, right? That's a consequence, right? Um, but then they say, well, but if they don't get the right courses, then they might have to take an extra few courses. This is where the money thing comes in or time. Mm -hmm. I say, okay, have an agreement. I've got it with my kids. I've got the RESPs all set up for my kids. Um, one has already started college. 
know, I'm paying that for for that because I want them to be able to focus on their education. Mm -hmm. um, but I've told them if you fail any courses, if you drop any courses, or if you have to take any extra courses above the minimum that you would normally require because you made the wrong choices, you pay for that. Okay, yeah. and. Right. And that's where there's a consequence. So parents need to learn. And that's at university level, but it should be done much sooner. High school, junior high school, some other level where, you know, they say, well, the, you know, the kid doesn't have the money. I say, OK, well, fine. You make damn sure if you need to lend the kid money, they're at university and you're saying it's one hundred dollars a month for food or whatever else. And they go over that. You don't give it to them. You lend it to them. And I say, and you keep track of that and you let them know every few months Say you still owe me this money. And when you do your part time job or your summer job, whatever. You know, 50% comes to me. You can take 50% whatever. But, you know, parents don't stay on track. They don't keep on top of their, their, their kids. And I say, you need to do that because kids are not naturally going to say, oh, by the way, mom, you forgot to remind me, like, I owe you 1300 bucks, yeah. right? Right. So, you know, so I'm telling parents, like, this is what you need to do. And if you do it from a younger age, this is what's really important. If you do it from a younger age with this whole consequence idea, yeah. okay, um, or, you know, a kid really wants something, okay, well, fine, you can get it. But that's your birthday, Christmas, or whatever they celebrate, and something else. Like, you know, it's you're not just getting it. This, you know, it comes off of something else, right? Yeah. If they do it from a young age, when they screw up, the consequences are much less. It's better to have them screw up at a young age than when they're at a job or something else or, you know, flunking out of school. And parents have to be able to do that. And it's tough. It's tough. As you are saying earlier, it's tough to watch a kid fail. But, you know, again, if it's a learning lesson, it's not such a failure. When um, I took my kid to Walmart and he wanted to buy a game and we had a bag of change <laughs> and I, we go to the Walmart checkout counter and it's a bag of change to buy like a $40 uh, thing. The lady looked across me and went, no, I'm like, yeah, this is what's happening. <laughs> so he counted out nickels and dimes and pennies and quarters and loonies and toonies and came up with the amount of money. And the lady on the other side, I could just see she was hating life because, you know, but I'm like, this is an important thing. He saved up every one of these pennies to buy right. this thing. And this is, I could have just paid for it and taken the change and put it through the change thing and rolled it up and got my money back. But it's like, this is the money you earned. This is the money that you're spending that you worked at to get. You took the garbage out, you did things, and this is, you know, uh, yeah, that's the part, you know, agreeing with you that there's accountability with this. And I could have just paid for it and taken his change and just put it back in his piggy bank if I wanted to. But there is something to be learned here. And he also bought his first Game Boy, his first little thing. You know, he went to, same thing, went to the, the electronics store and paid for it with all his money. You could tell it was a very proud moment for him, you know, and that's... Exactly. That's the accomplishment. It's mm -hmm. a sense of, I, I earned this, mm -hmm. right? And so many kids are raised thinking, I deserve this. No, no, you work, you earn it, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I tell this to all, again, it's amazing how many families I have to tell them this message. And by the way, when I try to, you know, tell them about these consequences or these rules, okay, with the ultimate, like, I, I don't, I don't want, I, I tell parents, A, don't ever say this if you're not prepared to do it. And B, this should not be the first resort. It's the last resort. Okay. But sometimes the ultimate consequence is you're out of my house, right? Mm -hmm. It's not an idle threat and it's not a, an unfair threat. It's if a kid is doing something so horrific or you can't trust them, they're going to, you know, steal things or let people in when they should, like stuff like that. Kids have to know that. And the thing that, whether it's that dire of a consequence or it's something even smaller, so many parents say to me, how am I going to enforce it? And I go, you're the damn parent. <laughs> okay. You're going to enforce it. And I, I've had some parents who their kids are bigger than them. And I say, look, 
hate to say it, but you call the cops. You know, like mm -hmm. it's a tough lesson and you should never have to be in that position. But again, you do whatever you need to, to teach the child again, going back to accountability yeah. and the flip side, again, this whole self-agency. I mean, those are the things it's, 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 it's feeling proud of your accomplishments. I can do it. And if I screw up, I got to pay the consequence. Yeah. You know, uh, the, my actions have a result. Put it that way. Positive or negative. My actions have a result. Yeah. And what hit so, home in this big conversation we had was when you lose trust, if I lose trust in you, just even a little bit of trust. So if you say next time you want to go sleep over at your friends, you're, I've lost trust in you because I think you're going to stay up all night and then go to Tim Hortons at four in the morning and creep out of the house. So that's a hard trust to get back. And I, that hit home. It always hits home when you go, oh, you've affected something that's going to be from now until you're an adult and you can act on your own. But this is a thing. Like, and, and, I, and I tried to state, like, and, and I also said, this is nothing, you know, Staying up all night as a 14-year-old and then leaving the house at 4.45 or 5 in the morning in this town is not crazy. It could be worse. It could be beer involved. It could be drugs involved. There's all sorts of things that kids his age do that we don't need to speak about, but it happens. He's just an innocent kid, you know? But, but what I was trying to explain was that this is nothing, to, but if this was even, add three things to this, being drugs, alcohol, or, you know, driving or stealing a car or something, like that's when things get serious, you know? And, you know, so yeah, parenting is, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a trip. Oh. Oh. Yeah. You were telling me uh, before we recorded that there was something going on and you were supposed to be doing a presentation. Whoa. Right. So yes. Um, on August 22nd, myself, Jordan Peterson, Gad Sad, and Faith Goldie uh, were, I mean, what a, what a ragtag group of uh, rebels. Um, ironically that faith Goldie, unfortunately was just fired from the rebel, um, yesterday or today. Hmm. Um, so we were going to do a talk at Ryerson on free speech and, you know, the stifling of free speech on campuses. And, um, the person who was organizing it is a former student of mine. Um, she's known Jordan Peterson for very many years. She's in fact, the person who got Jordan Peterson to come to speak to my class, um, you know, back in February of, of this year. So um, she had arranged this thing. She'd done it with Ryerson. Uh, I was co-sponsoring it just because I work there and I can, you know, I could help facilitate, get a discount, stuff like that. And um, and they did security check. Everything was fine. And then Wednesday, uh, just two, two days ago, uh, we, we she and I got a call from Ryerson saying, sorry, we have to cancel the event. Okay. And at the same time, as I get this call, I see an email from uh, Jordan Peterson uh, showing a link to this Facebook page that has started basically saying, uh, like stop the fascists in Toronto or something along that line, um, with a swastika with, uh, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the it's called the Nazis symbol yeah. basically. Right. Then it changed it to 45. Have you seen that? These swastikas now that yeah. are turned into a four and a five. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't seen that. I was wondering what the hell is this? And I realized, Oh, the 45th president. Okay. Hmm. Um, so, that was being attributed to us. Now they've changed it to a, a nicer uh, symbol, okay? Um, but they're still calling us fascists, basically. And it was incredible. And so all these people were writing on her Facebook page, the vast majority of them were saying, you're crazy. Have you heard Jordan Peterson or Gad Saad talk? Do you know who the hell they are? Mm -hmm. Gad Saad, a Lebanese Jew who flew from his, uh, who fled from his home country with his family because of persecution, et cetera, et cetera. You know, mm -hmm. like they are the last person you would want to call fascists. No one talked about me because I'm a nobody. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. 
And, and so Ryerson had to shut down this uh, this talk. And I understand why Ryerson had to do it. A, because of the whole thing with Charlottesville. I mean, it's very heated right now, and they were worried about safety. And you know, I understand that there's a liability issue. Uh, and B, this group apparently they flooded Ryerson with emails, calls, and so on. They were bragging about it, and so you know, it, it's just ironic that they are calling us the fascists when they are dictating what we are allowed to say, right? Um, and of course, the university on a when we are talking about the stifling of free speech, well, they shut down that talk, right? And the worst part about the timing is next month, I'm sure you've heard about this, the U of T, uh, they, they were supposed to be a, a white supremacist or white nationalist um, organization happening at U of T next month. Uh, and, and the U of T shut that down. Great. Glad to hear that. But if this Facebook page was basically saying that our talk was kind of the warm up for this white nationalist talk at U of oh. T or this organization, right? And it's like, great, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, my 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 family who was were slaughtered by the Nazis in the, you know uh, in World War II. My grandmother who was a Holocaust survivor, like in in the concentration camps and everything. Yeah, I'm sure they would have you know really appreciated me being lumped in with the Nazis. All right, um, my biracial children. I, I guess I, that's a secret I've kept from them. My my black brother, my or my biracial brother, and my lesbian sister, and my gay brother. You know, like, whoops. You know, damn it. They, they didn't know. I was just, I've been building up and building up and I was just going to lower the boom and uh, they outed me. <laughs> I, I, this is so laughable because the fact that you're actually fighting for free speech and being shut down for that is such an unspeakable thing. Uh, who says you're going to say the wrong thing? I mean, the other thing too, is that's what free speech is. And people say wrong things all the time and that's what keeps us as a as a society is when someone tells that person you're wrong and here's 20 reasons why you're wrong and if they only have one reason then maybe you're not so wrong you know what i mean and obviously you're speaking oh my god it's such a such a ugh. and get sad i mean i've heard a lot of him the only time i heard him is on the joe rogan podcast He's on right. that quite a few times. Yes, and yes. he's amazing. And he's just written a book. I think there was this thing as a, a throwback on his book. He just put put a book out. But it's it's such a crazy world. And who armed these people to tell, you know, and I guess the university in Ryerson is is like, oh, okay, listen, <laughs> stop there. You know, we're not going to prove any uh, uh any we're not gonna come out of this smelling nice. So let's just shut the whole thing down. Right. And I can't begrudge them for that um, because it could have got really ugly. Um, no, I, if, if I were running the show, I would have rather hired a few extra police officers and made sure that, you know, the, you know if you want to have protesters, fine, stay outside, you know, say your piece. Um, you know, and they were charging the woman who's doing this. I mean, she's taking a bath on this because she's got it. Like, she's already invested a lot of money and everything like that. And, you know, it's all privately funded. Um, we're hoping to have another talk in a couple of months. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, um, you know, she's charging $20. And here's the funny thing. Jordan Peterson, months and months ago, gave a talk at Hamilton. You may have seen the videos. It got shouted down at McMaster. Everyone, like, they, they came in. You know, security did nothing. He had to step outside. The next day, he went to, I think it was Queens or Western, one of the two. I always confuse them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gave a talk. Charged only $5. No protesters showed up. That, you know, okay, so five bucks is all it takes to, to get people not to show up because, you know, like, it's just, it's too much for them. Their, their, um, their ideology, I guess, comes pretty cheap. Oh, there's so many things to talk about on that one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this must be so important that we're charging so much money to see this thing that it must be wrong. 
<laughs> That's unbelievable. I am. Um, well, I, you know, I'm sorry that happened because those are the people, those are our future. Those are the people who are going to be, you know, the people that sort of do things like that at those universities. They're all at an age where they're super impressionable and, you know, right. and listen, we, we can't all be sheltered by what is right, what is essentially wrong in the world. You know, we have to embrace it. It's what we were talking about earlier is that you have to embrace what's wrong with the world to put in context to say what the good stuff is. Because there's more good than bad in this world. I still truly believe that, you know. Right. I, I yeah, and, and well, yeah, I mean, and you know what? There is a lot of bad in the world, some big, some small. And if you can tolerate the discomfort, and this is what I've been promoting and I've been teaching this for over 15 years, okay? If you can tolerate the discomfort that comes with seeing the bad, not just shutting it out and saying, la, 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 I don't want to believe it exists or I want to you know, pretend that all these people are bad, but rather saying, no, there's a bit of bad here, here, and there, okay? If you can tolerate that, then maybe you can do something about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more and more the left has been doing this all this year, and we've seen it with Brett Weinstein from uh, from Evergreen College, he was the most left progressive person you would ever see. And he got attacked for not being left enough. Okay, other people, the same thing. And if you can tolerate the discomfort, you can actually see things with a clear uh, with a clearer mind, you have a better perspective. And then you can say, wait a second, these people that I'm trying to shut out or shut down are my allies. Right. Mm -hmm. Just because they don't agree 100 percent or because they said one thing that I might not like and it causes me too much distress. You know, I, I'm going to shut them out. That's stupid. No, hear them out. And instead of saying, well, OK, I know they talk a good talk, but I'm going to say that's just a ruse behind all that. Truly, they're evil. OK, like there are some people like that. There are some great con men, you know, or con women. Uh, we know that. I mean, that's like where I, the old saying, like, I'd, I'd rather I, I want my KKK wearing hoods because at least I know who they are. Right, the KKK who clean up their act, get into politics or whatever else, they're the dangerous ones. Fine, there are those people, but so many people who are good hearted people, right? Just because they don't toe the party line a hundred percent, they're being brandished, you know, certain labels, and and it's not healthy, it's not productive, and it gives these kids and some professors and other people, it gives them this this self righteous, uh, you know, uh, it, it's what's called, um, it's. There's, there's this term for it. Um, it's uh, it's like it's for sport, basically. You know, they're getting, uh, uh, you know, the self-righteous indignation, you know, for sport kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it makes them feel that they're doing something in the world. And I hate to uh, to to paraphrase Jordan Peterson. I mean, it's a great phrase. What he says is great. I just don't like using other people's lines. I've been saying the same thing for years, okay? Mm -hmm. They're so busy trying to change the world and they're doing or save the world. And what they're doing is totally ineffective. It's misguided. It's wrong-headed. It's alienating people, pushing people to the wrong side, it's pushing people toward Trump, et cetera, okay? But it gives them the sense of self-satisfaction that they never really earned, okay? And basically, this is the Jordan Peterson thing where he says, clean your own damn room, right? <laughs> basically, get yourself in order first. Before you want to clear, fix the world, Make you know, check yourself, make sure you know who you are, you're, you know, you're comfortable with that, and where, where you're not comfortable, you'll improve on it, et cetera, et cetera. Fix yourself, be better as a better person, then go out, then try to help people, then try to, you know, uh, model proper proper conduct and mm -hmm. so on, right? But they're not doing any of that. Yeah, It's just it's public shaming and jumping on bandwagons and, to quote someone else, virtue signaling. It's disgusting. Well, I was thinking to, to change a society needs a very, like a big movement. That's what changes things. 
But the unfortunate part of that is that, like we were talking about gray area, is that the little nuances that get you to that other end of the polar spectrum, that gets missed a lot. When you jump over real fast into this, Trump is awesome, you know, and then you've come from, you know, Trump is bad. But those are two different polar opposite things. And I'm not saying Trump's good at all. Okay, that's a bad example. But I'm just saying (laughs) when it comes to just normal conduct in in society that there's a certain way to 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 act that if you polarize it all the way to the end that's sometimes trouble because you don't understand that the the but the bits in the middle that allow you to think about things you know and and process things that are like considered like wrong thoughts or you know abnormal thoughts or things like that you need to go through all the gamut of things and if someone's telling you where to go and what side of the polar spectrum to be on you haven't really yourself gotten there. You're just there, you know. And is something right. sub- like, you know is it something subconscious that's allowing you to get there really fast because they're speaking and tuning into a certain frequency of people that are are uh, are are tuning in, you know, on on that, you know. Did that make sense? Did I just talk like my ass off there? No, no, it, yeah. it makes sense. And people, that's it, it's lazy activism or slacktivism. It's it's basically there is you're right. There is a, a a wavelength. There's a, a bandwidth, and people are just tuning into that and just going along for the ride rather than just checking out and seeing is the frequency really correct? Okay, mm. um, and, and because they're figuring if this many people are saying this, it must be right. Can I? I'm going to give an example, which might as well just get nice and controversial. Um, I'll tie it to it, it's a it's in an inadvertent. I'm saying right now, it's an inadvertent tie into Jordan Peterson. I'm not a Peterson nut hugger. I respect the hell out of him. <laughs> I was one of the first academics who actually stood up for him. Um, you know, and I've, I've got no tenure. I've got no job security. Okay, when I invite him to my classroom, I put my job on the line basically um, to have this video come out and everything. You know, like so. You know, it's it's I do it because I believe in his cause, uh, not because I'm a sycophant. So you know, so so anyone who thinks I am. Screw you. <laughs> Don't mean to alienate your audience. Um, but I'm going to, this, this ties into Jordan Peterson again, inadvertently. Okay. Mm-hmm. What you're saying about this whole idea about these different ends of the spectrum. It, and and if you don't pay close attention, there can be danger. Just like, you know, just going with a flow. Here's an example. Okay. And I've seen this. And I spoke to a mother. I've got, I've, I've just got to get my act together. I've got a great interview I did with her um, where her daughter at the age of 13, suddenly out of nowhere said, I'm a boy. She's never shown any signs of, you know, of, of being transgender at all. Okay. And this doesn't happen. Someone who's truly trans, they don't suddenly in the middle of, you know, in the afternoon one day just go, Hey, you know, they they don't. Okay. Um, Now they may, you you could say, well, maybe she, she always felt it, but she didn't feel she could say it. No, the mother said very clearly, it was never any signs. So in the middle, you know, she just suddenly does this. Now this girl happens to have Asperger's or she's on, you know, high functioning autism. That might make you think, okay, something happened at school and her school was really celebrating trans people, which is totally fine. Okay. But if a child has, you know, autism, they may be susceptible to certain thoughts and we know they can get very obsessive over these thoughts. So the mother took this child to see a doctor. Sorry, not a doctor, to see somebody. I have to be careful with this profession. Okay, but this person, um, they're not a doctor, but they counsel people with these issues, okay? And instead of talking to the girl and saying, okay, well, what actually happened? Why did you start thinking that? Instead of asking her these questions, the person said, no, you got to go along with it. And they started binding her breasts. So they're taping her breasts right away. Um, She's doing hormone therapy, hormone replacement. You know, at a young age, that stuff 
can true or not hormone replacement, sorry, uh, hormone blockers and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. No, at that age, it can be irreversible. The damage it can do to reproduction and so on, it it can truly mess you up. And what if she's like the 80% of kids, 80% of young children, okay, who say I'm a boy or I'm a girl if it's the opposite of their, you know, their 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 biological sex, okay? If you say nothing to them, they're going to revert back to their typical, you know, the sex that they were born with, okay? They'll stop saying it, 80% if you say nothing, okay? Mm -hmm. But too many advocates, too many people who want to make, a, you know, a, a stance, too many people who want to use their children as their flag to wave, okay, uh, you know, are pushing kids in this direction. And so a child who's three years old, little girl who's three years old, goes, I'm a boy. And from that point forward, they're prom promoting this idea when we know the stats are, statistically speaking, chances are that she would, you know, after a few weeks or months, you know, would say, no, no, I'm a girl. Okay. Mm. They're not allowing that. They're pushing her. So this is to me an example of what you're saying where they may have good intentions. And you know what? I'm the first person to say, you want to give trans people rights, respect, safety, dignity, I'm all for you. I'll march with you to, to do that. Okay. Uh, I'll fight for it. And I've worked with trans people. And I've like, I've really promoted that idea of, of, of being, uh, you know, empathetic and compassionate toward trans people. But when you go on the other end of the spectrum, you know, sorry, when you take it even farther and say, no, a child who says I'm a whatever, and we're going to push that agenda from a very young age when the child's too young to know those parents are, there's basically child abuse. Okay. And, and, and I'm telling you right now, I just want to say one thing, like among professional circles in some areas, by my saying that I could get slapped with some type of, you know, malpractice suit. Okay. For saying, wait a second, let's just, let's not rush headlong into this. Mm -hmm. Let's do a bit of questioning. Let's take our time. Let's help the child discover who they really are. And maybe they are, maybe throughout all this, you know, 20% will say, yeah, yeah, truly, no matter what you say or do, yeah. that's who they are. They're born in the wrong body. Okay. Yeah. I'm all for that. And I, I'm, I'm on a listserv of all these people who are doing all the research in the area. And I'm watching their discussions. I'm reading their papers. I have my own trans patients. I work with my own trans students, you know, so, uh, you know, I, but just by taking this moderate, what I think to be a very sensible stance, I could get in trouble, in professional trouble. And that's an example of, of, of what you're talking about. I think that's, yeah. that's the example I'm going to impose on your yeah. statement earlier. <laughs> well, that's today's society has said, let's, let's, let's fight this battle. We need a very certain common, like a, a focused point of view. And the focus point of view is, well, listen, children aren't developed. Their brains aren't even developed. I know this. I have no training. But at the age of 20, I was a fucking retard. And at 27 is when I actually started getting my shit together, right? Because you start turning it into an adult. But at the age of 18, 16, 15, 14, all those ages, I was stupid. Like, and that's just me. Like, but the human brain can't concept conceive what you know i don't know that's why that's why you're a parent and you tell your child like hey i know you're telling me a tall tale right now because i can read all the signals about you as a child because you're a child and i'm an adult you know or and i can read my child it just seems so crazy but that is what society is now it's where let's let's go fight the put the flag up let's go you know and try to figure out how we're gonna shame somebody uh to make us feel better and that's uh, that's a sad state of affairs when it comes to what Twitter does and and shaming someone and you know there's a certain amount of, there's a line there's a line you know when someone starts coming out with hate speech and things like that where you can right. 
you can put, uh, then put your point of view, and society generally writes itself when it comes to someone who's a bigot or a misogynist or just a bad person. It does level out. But the playing field is so uneven right now when it comes to someone who has a little point of view or a point of view that's actually logistically you thought it out in a logical way to say well here's here's three you know here's a reason why you probably shouldn't you know push the child into this direction yet and and support it and it's great i don't know it's like it's almost like if you started doing these binding the breasts with tape and things they're going hey what are you doing (laughs) oh we're turning you into a boy what why are you doing that well because two weeks ago you decided that you you know you know it's almost like we're trying to prove a point you know, right. what does this feel like? Yeah. Ow. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, it, It's crazy. And it's causing so much damage. But these people are so self-righteous. And this is my catchphrase. You know, they don't understand the difference between righteous and self-righteous, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and yeah, it's just it's I was going to say something about the, the, the trans thing as well. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of shit on Twitter. You mentioned Twitter. OK, mm-hmm. where somebody wrote an article months ago. Uh, I forget which uh, paper, New York something, maybe, okay? But she basically said, my daughter is a tomboy, not transgender, okay? She wants all the parents to stop saying, oh, is she transgender? No, she's a tomboy. Mm-hmm. She knows she's a girl. She's got no problem being a girl. She just doesn't want to be a princess or a fairy. She likes to play sports and so on, right? Mm-hmm. And that's it. But it's a tomboy. And a few years ago, that's what she would have been called. Everyone would call her tomboy. So all she said was that. And if you read the article, she was so transpositive because she said, look, if my daughter actually ever said that she thinks that she may be a boy or something like that, she said, I would go through all the steps with her. I'd support her 100%. The whole article was so female empowering, okay, for girls and for women. It was just an ode to her daughter. You could just see the love and, you know, and just it was such a beautiful piece. And all these people just came down on her and said, you transphobe, you horrific person. And I wrote to these people. I said, shame on you. Like, how dare you shame this mother for writing this piece? She's not being transphobic and so on. And I got so much hell. Mm-hmm. And people are calling me a transphobe and this and that. It's like, and no matter what I said, and as much as I, I kept trying to say to them, hey, listen to this podcast. Here's a podcast where I said this, this, and that. I said, you know, before you start labeling me all these things, of course, they're not going to listen to it. And they did this. This is one thing that really drives me crazy. And the left loves to do it. I guess the right do it as well. Quote, sorry, the quote unquote, the left. And it drives me crazy. It's when. Look, I'm a fan of memes, okay? Um, whenever, like, I, I look at Twitter, I look at the moments, and some, like, Stephen Bannon gets fired today, and, mm-hmm. you know, so in the memes and going out, hilarious. I love it. I think it's funny. You know, kudos to someone who can capture something. It's like an editorial cartoon, but, you know, just it's with moving. Mm-hmm. So I love them. However, these idiots, these stupid people, who can't formulate their own counter argument. They use a meme of like some person rolling their eyes or, you know, you know, bitch, please, or something yeah. like that. They use that as not as a funny ha-ha, but rather as a way to shut you down. They don't have a counter argument. They use that instead, okay? Or they'll say, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, a mansplaining uh, bigot, bye-bye, and they have some meme of someone waving goodbye or something like that, okay? Mm-hmm. And I think it's clever. It's not clever. It's cowardice. It's intellectual, uh, you know, weakness. Okay, and it just proves they don't have a good argument. No, nope. screw them. Yeah, totally screw them. It's just I mean, dismissive too. It's just dismissing oh, totally. you really fast to yeah. say, "Oh, I don't want to talk about it because if you do tell me something, then that's going to change how I feel and how I think." And I don't. God forbid. I don't want to think and feel the way you're telling me to because you can't tell me how to think and feel because that's me. Right. I'm that person. <laughs> And, you know, and the thing is, I, the thing is, I'm not telling them how to think or feel. All uh-huh. I'm saying is, don't miss, 
portray me. Don't misconstrue mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I have a right to say that. I have a right to say, you know what? If you're going to call me all these things, uh, you know, look, find my words, find what I've said and done. Don't take it out of context. Look, see the whole picture. Yeah. And then if you think that you can call me A, B, C, and D, show me why. And I'll either own it. I'll say, yep, I guess you're right. I never knew it, but I'm a this. Okay. Yeah. Or I'll, um, I'll say, no, you've misunderstood this. And by the way, I've got to say this because I made videos on this as well. When I was fighting for this whole, oh God, here comes the name again, Jordan Peterson. Okay. <laughs> when I was fighting um, with my professional body, and I can say this because I put videos, okay, um, with my, uh, the Ontario Psychological Association, okay, uh, I was fighting to let him have his, I was saying, look, we should support him, you know, for his right to speak, blah, blah, blah. I had debates both on our listserv and uh, privately that looked exactly what you get, like, like, you know, in Twitter. And I said, people, you're psychologists. Mm-hmm. I expect better from you. And this, and some of these idiots were like, so, oh my God, how can you say that? That's so elitist. That's, that's like, wait a second. And this is the line I used. Would we not expect a basketball player to be able to jump higher than average? Would you not expect a musician to be able to recognize pitch better than average? Well, then would we not expect a psychologist to be able to analyze information, tolerate the discomfort, and be able to deal with it in a mature, you know, disinterested or dispassionate, not disinterested, sorry, dispassionate and disinterested way, okay? Um, Would we not expect psychologists to be able to do that better than the average person? That's not elitist. That should be fact. Mm-hmm. Yet the response I got from them, seriously, it was exactly what I see from Twitter from you know twelve year old trolls. You know, it, it was so sad. And I got you know I got I broke a record, um, two records. One having the most threads uh, terminated, okay, <laughs> and being booted off the listserv the most times within a short period of time. These are not records I wanted to break. Uh-huh. All right, and these are among psychologists, my colleagues, my supposed colleagues. Okay? Yeah. And it's what people have conversations like this. We're having a conversation. I obviously know nothing about psychology. I know things about human elements and life and things. But when you explain it in a clinical way, this is you're giving me a professional point of view. And your professional point of view goes with training, uh, a life of, of, of being focused in this discipline is what you're doing, as well as some facts or facts, right. period. Um, if I was on Twitter and we were adversaries on Twitter, I only have only have 140 characters to tell you how wrong you are. <laughs> That's all I got. And a meme. Use a meme. And that a meme, yeah. That. It says everything. Um, yeah, I, I kind of... Someone told me about the memes as sort of like the new... You're saying, yeah, it's the new um, cartoon or it's the way... The, the fact how amazing they are is that they explain a thousand things in a little thing in a picture. You know, that's how it's... it's it, it um, transcends um, communication in a way because you're saying so many things, emotions and feelings and your, you know, what you're seeing and, and then just previous thoughts. How you understand how a meme works is you have to sort of think back and go, oh, I get that. I get that. I understand where that comes from. But put a right. meme up from last week, uh, 20 years from now, people are like, what? what does that mean? I don't understand what's going on. My favorite meme was uh, Steve Harvey when David Bowie died. He uh, he put someone put up a uh, rest in peace Mick Jagger <laughs> because he had misplaced right, he, so he said the wrong uh, contestant Miss winner America. of the Miss, oh, Miss well, yeah whatever it was and well, yeah. that's hilarious but ten years from now right. that will that'll say why is that guy saying the wrong name Mick Jagger's not dead it's 2092 Mick Jagger's still alive <laughs> and well and performing tonight somewhere <laughs> but. Um, 
Well, hey, I, I, I still think we should do our podcast. We were talking about that dumb guy, smart guy. Do you remember that? When I was, I pitched you a <laughs> podcast idea, dumb guy, smart guy, and you can be the smart guy. I'll be the dumb guy, and then you can explain to me we, things. We it, we... Oh yeah, we'd switch it up too on certain times and occasions. Yeah, that's that. I think that's the idea for a. a yeah, that's now it's been put into the tw- into the podcast sphere. No one can take that idea anymore. Dumb guy, smart okay. guy. <laughs> hey, well. Just um, you know, set it up. I'm I'm doing my crazy schedule, and I've got so many you know podcasts I've done that I haven't even produced yet because I've just I don't have the time. But mm-hmm. if someone does it, if someone says, "Hey, it's all set up. Let's do it this time." I'm here. I'm ready to go. You know, I like to talk, and amazing. Um, I, like, I definitely like talking to you. And yeah, um, yeah. Tell me, we'll do it. Absolutely, absolutely. And your your podcast is the real reality. Um, it's still there. If they go, to, if people go to docamate.com, okay, um, they can still see it. Uh, that's where I talk about the OPA, Jordan Peterson, all these trans issues. Like it's 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 up there. Um, you're on it, as, of course. Um, and otherwise, they can go to my doc. Go to YouTube. Go to Doc Amate, and I have a bunch of my videos uh, of of me, you know, talking to certain people, some controversial figures, uh, or just giving my own talks itself. You know, talking about how to deal with SJWs and so on. And uh, so lots and lots of stuff up there. Um, and I invite people to check it out. Very cool. Well, it was good talking to you, man. Oh, thank you. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, yeah, just, you know, again, uh, dumb guy and less dumb guy or <laughs> smart guy and smart, like however you want to do it. Um, you know, dumb guy, smart guy I, sounds I, better. It's got a better ring. Yeah, it's got a better ring. Dumb I guy. Like I like but I don't want to, I don't want to offend uh, the, uh, the, whatever the, the shaming people to say that I'm not shaming you by calling you dumb and I'm not shaming myself by calling myself dumb. Wait, what am I? I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> Because you're the dumb guy. Come I'm on, the dumb guy. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Simon. That was Dr. Oren Amate. Smart guy, right? Smart guy. He's got great opinions. He's got he's an awesome guy to talk to. I wish I could just do podcasts every week with him. Because <clears throat> we need to learn stuff about life, folks. And he can teach it. He can teach you cool stuff. And if you want to recommend this podcast to anybody, please don't forget to uh, subscribe, rate, and view the show. Follow it on Facebook and share it. Share this podcast with as many people as you possibly can. And I'll give you a great big hug. Okay? Okay. It's been great. It's been a great year this year, actually. Um, I've got a real sponsor. Um, lots of downloads. Lots of downloads. Like, more downloads than I thought I could do. I'm not boasting, but I've done probably more downloads in eight months, nine months now than I did last year in total. Like, it's almost, yeah, it's crazy. It's stupid. And it's probably twice what I did the year before. So everything is just ramping up and up and up and up, and it's great. Okay? So thanks again. I just got back from my ship, my trip in uh, PEI camping. Um, I'm tired and I'm going to go do a very early thing on global TV. Hey, yeah, that's cool. Go to global TV, the morning show, uh, on, in Toronto and Lois and Lower is playing and I'll be mixing it. Okay. So everybody next week, I don't know who's on next week because I haven't got an episode. It might be a best of. So take care. We'll see you next week. Bye.